0: Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Sofia Tafich, who is a freelance journalist at Who, What, Why. We will discuss the low representation of Latinx authors in the United States. Born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico, Sophia has written about culture and arts for the Austin Chronicle, including a print cover story about the pandemic's effect on the film and television industry. She was a web content writer at the University of Texas, Austin's History Department, and a content writer at Overlooked Beauty. She loves writing about women and Latinx issues, entertainment, arts, and culture. Sophia, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. What do we mean by Latinx authors? Let's start really basic. What's the definition of a Latinx author for purposes of our discussion? Okay, so let's start with Latinx.
1: And Latinx is a person of Latin American origin or descent, um, And you know it's it's a gender neutral or non binary alternative to Latino or Latina, which is basically like anyone from Latin America, and you know authors. So we so when we say and we talk about Latinx authors, we're talking about authors who have who were either born in in the United States but have like um were descendants of Latin America or people that were born in Latin America but are in the United States.
0: And when we say Latinx, we are, for purposes of today's discussion, also using the word Hispanic interchangeably. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, Hispanic is basically relating to – like Spanish-speaking countries, um, it's especially those two of Latin America. I mean, some people use it also relating to Spain, but in this case we're using it um, for Spanish-speaking countries that relate to Latin America, basically.
0: So where does that leave Brazilian authors or authors of Brazilian heritage?
1: I would include them under
0: Latinx you would what are we looking at in terms of i don't know let's paint a picture how i know you've done some research you spent some time on this you've interviewed a number of people what were what were your big picture findings
1: um my big picture findings were that authors trying to get published in the U.S. have a very very hard time and like similar to black authors as well right and the number of authors that manage to get published and make it big um is not reaching that you know um is not reaching that coverage or like diversity in the bookshelf so you know latinx or latino children at school like don't get to read books about them and like um publishing houses aren't publishing enough latinx authors um so it's basically um in the interviews and in the research i conducted i really learned about the importance of Latinx voices and how they're largely unheard of in the American publishing industry, despite the fact that Hispanic and Latino Americans make up 18.4% of the total U.S. population as of 2019, according to the United States Census Bureau. So it's an issue about diversity and representation in our culture and in our books.
0: In that number that you just shared from the census, does that include undocumented immigrants?
1: Um, I'm actually not sure.
0: The point that you made a minute ago was that there aren't enough Latinx authors represented among authors in the United States how do you define enough? What is that sweet spot? Are you saying that there should be 18% of all books published should be by Latinx authors, or how do you define that, quote, unquote, enough? Um, One of the
1: authors that I interviewed actually did say that, like, his name is David Bowles, and he said that, yeah, there should be like eighteen point four percent of of the books that are published um should be latinx um but I guess enough, like what i when I was doing my research, and we talked about this before that there's there are no strong like statistics regarding like the percentage of people by ethnicity who buy books or the percentage of Latinx authors that get published a year. But I did find that, like, when I was looking at the Best of 2020 book list by several publications, um, I saw a trend. And the trend was that there was a minuscule selection of Latinx and Hispanic authors featured on those lists and most of them featured between zero to three books and you ask yourself well maybe they didn't have best-selling books or maybe they're not writing but they like you know Latinx people are writing so it's about about publishing houses being mostly white with with a very little percentage of Latinx People in the workforce, and how because of that, there's translates to a lack of diversity in the bookshelves and like in the books we read, the books that get promoted, the the books that get published, the books that get that, that get promoted, the books that get enough money to have like a film deal, and so on.
0: The, books that we're talking about are they in English are they in Spanish are they both
1: so for the purpose of my research like because I did an article on this for who what why um I was looking at American publishing so publishing houses in U.S. right and some of the books um have you know both um it depends on what the author decides to do um so like again another one of uh one of the authors that I interviewed for this article um David Bowles he mostly writes children's books and he has like he writes his books in English but he has Spanish in there as well
0: how many authors did you interview
1: I interviewed three authors uh David Bowles Roberto Lovato
0: and Esmeralda Santiago. And did you interview any publishers? I didn't interview any
1: publishers for this um, for this article.
0: No. Did you look at readers? In other words, one of the arguments that companies often make is that they produce what sells. So just to use a generic product, you know, tissue paper or baby furniture, if Latinx people are buying baby furniture, then they're going to make the kinds of baby furniture that they want because that's what's selling. So the response that I can imagine we would hear from some of the publishing companies is, well, Latinx consumers don't read and they don't buy books did you look at that perspective is there anything you can share with us about that
1: yeah like um david bowles one of the people that i interviewed actually um he was i'll tell you a bit about what happened to him um to, he he had this manuscript for this book called The Smoking Mirror, who which would go on and win, like, awards, but before it it was published and won those awards, it was rejected by all 25 literary agents he had submitted it to. Um, And the award that that book won in 2016 was a Pura Belpré Award. It's an award that is presented to a Latino or Latino writer and illustrator whose work best portrays, affirms, and celebrates the Latino cultural experience in an outstanding work of literature for children and youth, and it's a big deal. But Bowles told me that at the time when he was submitting his work, you know he he knew he had a good manuscript and that it w- could have good readership, but the barrier was the fact that there were no white characters, and everyone was Mexican or mexican american and One of the editors that read his work and you know rejected it, didn't take it um told him that you know latin- like I can't market your book, Latinx people don't read. And I think that's ridiculous, you know? Um, What do you mean we don't read? Some of the best books written in the world were written by Latinx authors. So, like, you know, just assuming and having that as an excuse that Latinx people don't read and so
0: we can't sell is not okay at all. Do you have any numbers indicating... What percentage of Latinx readers there are in the United States? We'll look at it the other way around. What percentage of books published by the mainstream publishers are purchased by Latinx consumers?
1: I was actually trying to find that statistic, but there's no statistic, like, there are no statistics about, like, the percentage of, uh, buyers by ethnicity.
0: So, I, I wouldn't know. What topics did you find out? Any information on the genres and the, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, in what ways are the works of Latinx authors divided? Because Latinx Hispanic readers read about many things, not just about Hispanic themed topics. Were you able to find any information on the preferences that Hispanic consumers have when they go to buy books?
1: No, I, I couldn't. Like, as I said, the statistics for buyers by ethnicity is hard, so I I couldn't couldn't find
0: that. Did you find any information on the number of Hispanic authors in the United States? No what about from academic from the academic side so we know for example that across academia it's often expected for professors to publish that is a big part of historically was a big part of gaining t- tenure was the requirement to publish in journals and or books is there any data did you come across any data that outlined how many published articles and books there are by hispanic authors
1: no i didn't i didn't look into that i'm sorry
0: how did you determine that an author was latinx was this a self definition or what criteria did you use to make that determination
1: Um, when, while I was researching, you mean? Yes. Oh, I, so I was doing the, the, my research on the best of 2020 book lists where I, you know, went on, onto different lists and saw the books and their authors looked over the entire list and looked up the authors and either in their about page or wikipedia or whatever i determined whether they were like had descendants of latin america or were born in latin america so the thing is that if they if they are usually latinx or hispanic they do you know, say and say that quite openly, so it wasn't that hard to find. So I literally went like one by one, looking up and looked up their names and see if they were Latinx or not.
0: Well, one of the thoughts that comes to mind, of course, is that not everyone who is Hispanic has a traditional name, of course, because there's so many different ethnicities and such a mix of cultures in the Americas. And also that because of this lack of – because of this low representation that we're talking about, and perhaps because some of them feel that there is a prejudice when they approach agents and publishing houses, is it possible that some of the authors are writing under – an alias, or that they don't have a traditional Hispanic Latinx name. Did you find any information on that?
1: I mean, as for, like, Latinx people, you know, don't have to have, like, a traditional name or whatever, but um, that's the reason why I was very careful and looked up the name regard like the names regardless but at the same time um I don't know like I find that I could be wrong but I find that like right now because we're um Latinx authors are trying you know really trying to get published by or you know the goal is to get published by one of the big publishing houses like they wouldn't have a pen name you know but I I don't know like I I could be wrong but it they don't usually have a pen name if if they're writing like the big books that are you know in the in the notable books of 2020 list.
0: So in looking at that list that you were talking about, so that's the, at the top of the list you have the 100 notable books of 2020. From the New York Times, and then you also have USA Today, and other lists from the New Yorker, Vulture, Time Magazine, Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, and NPR, National mm-hmm. Public Radio. I'm not seeing any Hispanic media on the list. Is it that you didn't look at Hispanic media outlets? Or were there just no lists? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Of course. My goal for this list like this chart and list and the information that I was trying to find was I wanted to see Latinx representation in the big media outlets. So the the you know, the ones that are like for instance the New York Times. They report on things all over the world. So I wanted The, like, of course, if I were to go to a Hispanic media outlet, they would have, like, the larger selection of Latinx works, I think. Um, and they, there were lists of, like, of smaller media outlets that were, that had lists just of Latinx books, which I thought was great. But I wanted to see how the bigger outlets were, you know, or were not representing Latinx in their list, which was my goal. Like, I wanted to see um, the big publications. So what did you find? What I found was that most of them had between zero and three Latinx books. Um, The New York Times had three out of a 100 books that they featured, USA Today had zero out of 39 books they featured. The New Yorker had one out of 15 books they featured. Vulture had one out of 34 books. Time Magazine had three out of 100 books. Vanity Fair had two out of 15. Um, the Atlantic had zero out of 15. And National Public Radio, also known as NPR, had the most Latinx books featured they had 12 books but their list was like in their list of best of 2020 books they had 383 books so like and the total of the books that I was 701 books and only three percent of the books featured in all of these lists were Latinx were by Latinx authors, and I think that's incredible.
0: Just to clarify, Sophia, when you say, the, the when you tally the numbers of books represented in these lists from mainstream publications, mm-hmm. are these titles by Latinx authors? Are they titles about Latinx topics? How did you define that? They are titled by
1: Latinx authors. So basically I wanted to see the number of Latinx authors that were featured in the most notable books of 2020. Um, Yeah.
0: Was it the same authors that you found over and over on all the lists? For example, I'm seeing several of the authors that are showing up in all of the lists.
1: Yeah, it was very interesting because some of them, I get did repeat. Like many, many of these lists had the same books, and then of course NPR had books that weren't included in other lists. But I
0: saw many of the works repeated. I seem to recall that NPR had a partnership of sorts with uh, I think it was the New York Times where they were featuring titles from the New York Times on their television news. Is that the same list that you looked at? No. I looked at, like, for NPR, I looked at their – NPR
1: has basically a, a big vault of books where they, like, each year they have, like, year has its own balls, and it's this huge list of the best books that they read in 2020.
0: So that's why their list is so big. Did you look at what the selection criteria was? Did these lists identify what their guidelines were to decide what was, quote unquote, a notable book or a best of book?
1: Um basically most of these lists were selected by editors of each of the publication of the media outlets so the company selected the books um many of them were um books that they read that year and they liked so yeah
0: What about less traditional outlets, such as the uh, sales outlets. I'm looking for the right word because everything has changed. but So the portals where the books are sold and reviewed, did you have a chance to look at those? Did they have similar? Because they also produce best of lists. So, you're talking about, um, portals that have,
1: like, like the portals that have book reviews? Is that what, is that what you were asking?
0: Yes, portals that sell books and portals that review books, because a lot of the books sold these days are available through non traditional bricks and mortar outlets and a lot of the reviews are also available through non-traditional outlets meaning not necessarily traditional print publications or mixed publications like the ones on the list that where people can go and review a book Oh so you're so you're talking about
1: Amazon and like Barnes and Noble All of those yes Oh I didn't look into those a lot but like for instance Barnes & Noble had yes they had their selection of best of 2020 and they also have sections that have like they actually have several tabs being like for instance the New York Times best book of 2020 so they featured the pick of the New York Times they featured like the Atlantic um and the Los Angeles Times and several publications. So, yeah, I, again, like I didn't count, um, stores and book reviewer portals because I wanted to see what the mainstream media outlets were saying. But, any feature, you know, those same lists like Barnes and Noble.
0: And of the titles that were on these lists, that were Latinx titles or by Latinx authors. Was there a particular profile, fiction, nonfiction, or particular genre that stood out? What would you say were, for example, the top one or two categories that stood out, if any? Um,
1: There were... There were several novels, actually, so fiction, and there were also um, several memoirs that stood out, so, yeah, I guess, like, the most of them were between fiction novels and memoir. There was actually one book that kept that kept coming out several times, that's called Little Eyes by Samantha Shublin. And that selection was interesting because it's featured in several lists and that book was actually written in Spanish and translated in English and it did very, very well. So I thought that was nice. And that, again, you know, the fact that something is written in Spanish doesn't mean that it can't be a bestseller. And I thought that was a perfect, the perfect example
0: were all of the titles from traditional publishers were there any self published or any indie titles
1: no all of these were big publishers
0: it's some i know some of the traditional media outlets don't will not accept and will not review indie titles or self published titles they will only review titles from the I think it's five publishers that are left now, five main publishing companies. Um, Did you come across anything that explained the policies?
1: No, I I actually don't know about their policy of not reviewing indie, indie published books.
0: When you spoke with the authors and when you looked into the issues, you also found that it wasn't just the individuals who selected the titles from a very mainstream selection, which is basically only from the traditional publishers and from a very limited number of authors, if I'm hearing you correctly, but you also found. That within the publishing industry, and I'm assuming that this is the traditional publishing industry that doesn't include self-published titles or indie publishing companies, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What did you find there? Tell us a little bit, if you would. About about what? <laughs> the in, Among the publishing companies you found Mm -hmm. that there weren't very many Latinx employees or editors. Did I understand your um, article correctly?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: So you want me to say the stats, right? That would be great, sure. Okay.
1: So uh, diversity in published books obviously translates to lack of of diversity in the – Publishing industry workforce and there's this survey conducted by Lee and Lowe Books that's done every four years to establish concrete statistics about the diversity of the American publishing workforce. Their last survey was conducted in 2019 and it found that only 6% of the workforce in the American publishing industry as a whole identified as Latinx, Latino, or Mexican. Um, the survey also includes all of the departments. Um, for instance, uh, in the executive level, only 3% identified as Latinx, Latino, or Mexican, while 78% identified as white. They, they also did the editorial department, um, which was the, the department that was the least diverse, at only 2% Latinos and 85% White. Uh, Their sales department had 4% Latinos, 81% White. Marketing and publicity had 5% Latinos and 74% White. Book reviewers identified as 3% Latino and 80% White. Literary agents, again, 5% Latino and 80% White. And the department that had the most diversity and the least amount identifying as white was the interns. And they identified as 5% white and 51% white. I mean, sorry, and interns identified as 5% Latino
0: and 51% white. Now, when you say white for purposes of this specific survey, are you saying non-Hispanic white? Because Hispanics can be of any race. I'm saying, yeah, non-Hispanic white. Okay. What I'm hearing you say is that the people who were surveyed working in the traditional publishing industry had a very low representation of Latinx, members of the Latinx community. Is that, is that yeah. the summary? Yes, that's
1: the summary. And, of course, like that translates to the books they publish and the books they promote and the books they pick that, you
0: know, want, they want to be bestsellers. Did they examine the reasons for that? Was it lack of experience? Was it lack of interest? Was it prejudice and difficulty getting employed? Uh, Is there anything further in the analysis? No, they
1: just uh, published the numbers. They didn't analyze the reasoning behind it, but yeah.
0: What sparked your interest in this topic. It looks like you spent a chunk of time looking at the subject, a pretty big subject, and what the representation is in the mainstream media. What sent you down that path?
1: Um actually um what sent me down this path, I was I needed to come up with a pitch for an article for Who What Why and I don't know like how I ended up looking at you know the best books of 2020 I think I was looking I was literally looking for something to read and I saw I also read an article by the New York Times that outlined the lack of diversity in the American publishing workforce and they talked about how the publishing industry was undergoing this, like, transformation, and there were a lot of people talking about it because um, last year in 2020, with everything that happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, um the sales for books by Black authors skyrocketed, and they were dominating, like, the bestseller list, so it got people talking about how about that and like the it got people talking about black authors and where they're at and that led me to wanting to see and hear the stories of a couple of authors about a a couple of latinx authors about their experience in trying to get published and the lack of latinx Author is getting published, so that's how I became interested in, interested in the subject.
0: How often did you see the authors themselves describing their work or themselves as Latinx as opposed to Latin? I'm sorry, as opposed to American or uh, Mexican American or fill in the blank another nationality or hyphenated description um i guess where i saw
1: it most frequently was where authors were like promoting their memoirs so like i guess important stories but you know in, in, important stories for them like telling their story is empowering or and such, but I saw it when they were either, like, promoting their work, or promoting other people's work, like, I I see a lot of uh, Latinx authors, you know, lifting each other up, and promoting each other to, you know, get, give attention, get attention, like, on their books, but, yeah, like, I saw the term that I saw, the most when doing like my research and researching all this was Latinx just because I think people don't want to exclude anybody. So Latinx is this like huge
0: umbrella, but yeah. How often did you see people describing themselves under one category versus the other? Um, so were most people saying that they were, say, Mexican or Mexican-American or Peruvian or Puerto Rican, or were they using the title Hispanic or Latinx often?
1: Um, I guess it depends on what they're talking about. If they're referencing themselves, they usually say their nationality, so, like, where they're from. So, like, for instance, uh, one of my interview. One of my interviews, David Bowles, like, in his About page said, like, Mexican-American author, Um, but when he, and Mexican-Americans, because he is Mexican-American, but when referencing broader topics facing um, other authors, he referred to them as Latinx, just to include everybody, but people usu- usually say, like, their nationality.
0: What else did you find in your research? Um I guess um
1: one of the things that I found that was the most um I guess one of the things that I found that was the most meaningful is that it starts in oh wait, sorry. I I don't know if I wanna talk about oh Okay, in my research, um one of the things that in my research, one of the things that kept coming up was the controversy of American Dirt by Jenny Cummings. And it came up in my research when I was and, and it also came up in my interviews. And I'll tell you I'll tell you about it. So what happened was that in January of last year, the only thing the publishing world writers and even celebrities and even oprah winfrey were talking about was american dirt by janine cummings and the novel follows a middle-class mexican woman as she flees a cartel violence ridden mexico with her son and they head to the united states as immigrants um flat iron books won the bidding war in 2018 for this book and Cummins received a seven-figure advance for her work. So that's more than one million dollars and in the time ahead of its release it was heavily promoted and eventually this book about the immigration experience in the U.S. Mexico border was on several lists of the most anticipated titles of 2020. And Oprah Winfrey, whose books are all published by Flatiron, even announced *American Dirt* as her January book pick, and her book club picks get a lot of attention. So it was a huge deal, a huge deal. And this novel had all the tools and the money it needed to be a best-selling success, and it was. It did. De- it debuted number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, but this book added fuel to an already burning fire among Latinx writers and thinkers. So they started protesting this book. And it started with the fact that Cummins, the author, is not Mexican or Central American. She's an American who identified as white in an opinion piece she wrote for the New York Times. And when she started promoting American dirt she started identifying as Latinx noting that her Puerto Rican that she had a Puerto Rican mother um and in an interview with Shelf Awareness Cummins said that she she said and I quote I was resistant initially to Writing from the point of view of a Mexican migrant because no matter how much research I did, regardless of the fact that I'm Latinx, I didn't feel qualified to write in that voice. And the book received initial pr- praise before a negative review by, an, by a writer named Miriam Gerba deemed it a one-dimensional appropriating work with absurd Mexican stereotypes and inaccuracies. And after that review went up, and, like, even before, like, Uproar exploded online as as members of the Latinx community expressed deep criticism of the book to the point where 142 writers signed an open letter to Oprah Winfrey asking her to remove the novel from her influential list of book club picks. And, you know, another interesting thing about this book is that In the in the author's note, Cummings actually writes, and I quote, "I wished someone slightly browner than me would write it." And um, one of David Bowles, which I interviewed in a follow up to his negative review of the book, he responds to that to that thing that that she wrote, and she and he says, "The frustrating thing is that Mexican American writers have." However, none of us has been advanced as much money or had the trifecta of publishing press and personalities and marshalled marshalled to promote us in this way so it's really American dirt really sparked a movement, and that movement was actually something that was created by two people that I interviewed, so Roberto. Roberto Lobato and David Bowles in direct response to the book um, teamed up with Miriam Gerba and they co-founded a hashtag on Twitter called Dignidad Literaria which translates to literary dignity and this hashtag evolved into a grassroots campaign for greater Latinx inclusion in the U.S. publishing industry and you know advocating for equity and literary justice for the more than 60 million Latinx persons left off the the bookshelves in the United States and out of the national dialogue. And they created that hashtag because in response to that book. So
0: what impact did that have on the book itself? So a lot of things happened with that book. Um, one of the,
1: one of things being like people act, uh, people did defend that book. Um, for instance, like despite the uproar and negative reviews, there were, you know, as I said, people who defended the work, um, including the very famous and talented Chicana writer Sandra Cisneros. Um, but, um, the uproar led to a canceled book tour so coming, uh, Iron canceled her book tour, um, and, you know, one of the things that Lovato and Bowles wanted to do was, you know, take the attention away from that book and into the industry itself, and they did that. They actually, like, the social media movement proved such a success that, Lovato, Bowles, and Gerba landed a meeting with Flatiron and Macmillan officials, which was like the publishing house that published that book. And it included the presidents of Flatiron and Macmillan. And they got together to discuss the lack of Latinx representation across American bookshelves and publishing. And as a result of that meeting... Macmillan, who owns Flatiron, committed to develop an action plan in 90 days to substantially increase Latinx representation in its overall literary ecosystem, including authors, titles, and staff. And the publishing house was also to to regroup with Dignidad Literaria in the 30 Days to Access Progress. And this occurred in February of 2020. And in our interview, Bowles said that hearing Flatiron Macmillan say, yes, there's a problem with Latinx representation in our company and we are going to fix it, it felt very gratifying. He said that they were a lot more radical in their approach um, and that it was needed because it, it wasn't going to happen otherwise. But what happened afterwards was that the pandemic hit and it gave it gave them it it gave the publishers an excuse to back out and they started telling them like we can't really make these changes right now we're not in in one place and we're having to let people go because of the pandemic um and the deal was eventually back on so but bold doesn't feel enthusiastic about the progress so far due to the setbacks caused by the by the pandemic and the presidential election he told me that they were even working with congressman joaquin castro in the congressional hispanic caucus and beginning to put pressure on the state of new york to look into hiring practices Um, they were moving into something like government oversight and all of that had to be put on hold but basically um the Effect on on dignidad literaria of dignidad literaria on yeah the industry and you know um American Dirt the American Dirt book was pretty impressive and it it was all the publishing industry industry talked about back then but Lovato said something very very incredible about the effect of the hashtag. Um, for him the greatest impact was on Latinx people themselves he said and I quote we ourselves waking up to the fact that we, we've been abused ignored marginalized and insulted by US publishing you have thousands upon thousands of people who had an idea like something's wrong I don't see any books about me and suddenly we come together and realize that we're not alone and over the long term that's the most important thing.
0: What would you suggest for people who want to learn more about this topic? Where can get where can they get more information for our listeners some of whom might be interested in writing their own book or maybe publishing their book in other words serving as a publisher. Um, whatever their perspective, there's a lot of people out there who think they have a book in them. What would you suggest if they want to learn more about their chances of success as an author or at publishing uh, uh, Latin author, Latinx authors? I mean, what
1: I'm thinking is that, you know, these authors that I'm that I talked with they are so sweet and if you just ask for help they'll help you and one of the places where I find that they're most responsive and and I'm not just talking about um the people that I the authors that I interviewed I'm talking about Latinx authors in general they're incredibly responsive on Twitter and they're always on there you know promoting each other's work and retweeting um, facts and tweets by Latinx publishing and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I guess one of the best places to find information on how to get published if you're Latinx or not is other authors that are also trying to do the same thing or that have already done that.
0: And, of course, the... The statistics are pretty sad as authors in general. I forget the last time the the statistic was uh, something like out of every 100 books that's published in general, 99 sold fewer than 10 copies was the last time I saw publishing statistics, and so it is very discouraging for anyone who is seeking to publish a book. Is there anything more that you can tell us, for example, about nonfiction titles and non-literary books? I think all of the authors that you interviewed were literary fiction authors?
1: Um, So... Robert, um two of them were nonfiction authors and one of them was fiction mostly writing children's books. That's David Bowles.
0: Did you have any additional information on the the different categories that might be helpful? Um no. And any further insights on, for example, children's books? Because that is a separate category all to itself. And there are many children's titles. It's a booming area. It's an area where there are many Latinx represented. Because uh, last time I saw the statistics, one out of every four babies born in the U.S. was Latinx. Is there any data you can share with us about children's books and Latinx authors or Latinx topics?
1: Yes. Um, the thing with children children's books is that it starts with children's books. So according to a report by Cooperative Children's Book Center, um, the CCBC, only 5.3% of the 3,760 books it surveyed that were published in 2019 had latinx main characters so think about that it had a white main characters made up 41.8 percent of the book and talking animals robots cars other miscellaneous things made up 29.2 percent um and there were more books published about Animals and other objects than all books with minority characters combined. So just think about that. Um, how come that if you if you group all of the minorities together, you have more books about talking animals, robots, and cars than you have about minority characters? And David Bowles, um, one of my one of the people that I interviewed being an author who mostly writes children's books, had incredible things to say about this in our interview. And I'll tell you, he said that what happens when kids are only exposed to that is that their view of the world that comes across through the books they read and that they're required to read in school is one that centers whiteness. Whiteness is the default and everything else is erased. So for a Latinx child, they internalized the lesson that their culture is not worthy of being included. It's not worthy of being talked about in books. They learned the lesson that it's because their language, their culture, their people, the color of their skin, and all those things are not as good as being represented, are not as good as what's being represented. And that obviously is destructive to the identity of a Latinx or Latino child. And so I asked him, what about the white child? And according to Bowles, white children see themselves centered in all the books they read. Never sees or if they do see Latinx people, they are in subservient roles. So their idea of what a Latinx person is gets warped and when they grow up then they just don't see them as equally human if they see them at all um and Bowles who lives in Rio Grande Valley and is a professor at the University of Texas there um wants wants parents to read with their children in English and Spanish um, there's a large immigrant population that is going to continue to grow And there's a lot of kids who are bilingual, and we need to be promoting that. Um, Bold also had a very good point when talking about the Spanish language. He said, and I quote, People, even even in education, treat Spanish as if it's some kind of second-class language that kids just use so they can chat with their grandparents. From there on out, nothing to do with intellectual life and that's absolutely wrong. Spanish is a powerful language for literature and intellectual and philosophical thought. Just think about the amazing works that have been written in Spanish over the past 500 years. Um, For people to act like, oh, these poor children, and they speak Spanish, we just got to get them to speak English as if English were this magical thing. And that's what he said. And me being a proud Mexican woman totally agreed with him. I think Spanish is probably the most beautiful romantic language there is. And Bowles also mentioned an important fact. Um, the United States has no national language. He said, and I quote, Spanish is not a foreign language in this country. Spanish is a language of residents of the United States and the citizens of the United States. We need to stop acting like it's some kind of impediment and start seeing it as something that people should be proud of, as something additional that enriches their lives. Um, and he's right, you know, but the point is it starts in school and it starts with children having the opportunity to see themselves in the books they read. We all have the desire and need and longing to be represented in the culture that we live in, and that includes books.
0: Is he a psychologist?
1: No, he's a writer. He's a writer, a translator, and a professor. And he mostly writes children's books. So he's very, very invested in the role that books play in, in children. Um, actually, one of his experiences that he had in trying to get published, um, his experience in trying to get published as a Latinx author ties directly to the problem regarding the lack of diversity in the editorial department and how important and how important it is to have diversity in there um uh, Bowles told me that at the time when he was submitting his work as I said he knew he had a good manuscript and that it could have a good readership but The barrier was the fact that there were no white characters and everybody was Mexican or Mexican-American. And this book that he was trying to get published was called The Smoking Mirror. And that book is an action-packed, middle-grade novel that portrays contemporary life in South Texas and Mexico and features Aztec and Mayan mythology. Bowles wrote it in English, but also used Spanish words and phrases throughout the book. Um, And the names of the Aztec and Mayan gods were too hard in the editor's opinion. And the editors would ask him things like, can't you add a white sidekick? Can't you cut down on the Spanish? This is so much Spanish. And to him, there wasn't even that much Spanish. And when he defended his work and and stood his ground, editors told him that they wouldn't be able to market his book because there was no readership for it. Um, One of them essentially said to him that Mexican-Americans, Latinx people don't read books and so they don't buy books. And Bowles told me that he felt that he couldn't connect to the editors that read and rejected his work. In his interview, he said, and I quote, I'm writing about Mexicans and Mexican-Americans, and you're a white dude living in New England, of course there's a disconnect. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take a chance on what I'm writing, and that doesn't mean that there's not an audience for it just because you don't get it.
0: Sophia, thank you for joining us from San Antonio, Texas. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And to our audience, you have been listening to Sofia Tafich, who is a freelance journalist at Who, What, Why, who discussed Latinx authors in the United States. To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.